This is like the most slippery slope question because it's my favorite topic. And I could <laughs> Let's slip. Let's get oh. into it. What the f is going on? I like to party. Jesus, honey, wax much? This is unwaxed. Get in, Lizzie. We're going shopping. With Sophia and Sistine Stallone. Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Unwax Podcast. Honestly, when I say it like that, I sound so fake. When I did, you just hear the intro? I'll be honest, that was so hey too much. Welcome back to the Unwax Podcast. Blah blah blah. With your show some sisters. soul, show some heart, Sophia. Welcome Run it back, back to the Unwax Podcast. Should All I right. cry when I do it instead? Okay, hi Maybe guys, not. welcome back. I know that was just way too much. Um, with your favorite sisters, Sophia and. Sistine, yee-haw, baby. We just got back from Stagecoach. Mm. And let me tell you, there is still dirt in my eyes. Oh, yeah. I remember going home, blowing my nose, and just black stuff came out. Cute. It was really nice. Super hot. It was great. And now I don't even want to know what's filled in my lungs. Yeah. It's no, really it bad. was a stacked weekend. My liver is quaking. Yeah. Not feeling great. I'm sort of feeling the come down. You know, we don't have COVID, but every time you go on a bender or a festival for a few days in a row, you just kind of feel the repercussions of it. I feel a little bit under the weather. Totally. Well, it's because when you go to these events, you're there for literally like 10 hours yeah. and you're nonstop walking. You're barely eating. Yeah. The easiest thing to grab is a drink. And plus when you're living in a house of people, you know, it would be wrong to not have a margarita at 11 a.m. with your breakfast. I don't think I've ever drank so many frozen margs just throughout yeah. the day for fun yeah. in my life, but it was so great. I actually loved it. I don't remember the last time I just kind of enjoyed having alcohol whenever. It's true, because you know how I always say that I just feel like I'm not as fun anymore when it comes to drinking? It's nice to sort of let that guard down and just enjoy. No, I feel that. But I had a lot of fun. I, I would say, though... In comparison to the other ones we've been to, they were probably the least amount I knew about for the last two days. The like, lineup. The lineup, yeah. I feel like the Friday, I knew everybody. I knew the headliners for all three days, but it wasn't all of my favorite favorites. That's what's an interesting know? point. When you go to a concert or a festival and you actually don't know any of the lyrics and you're just sort of standing there, it's, it's not, not as that fun. fun. It's not as fun. It's not. Like, I, I would say, though, and we both agreed on this, our favorite was Carrie Underwood. Wow. Can we talk about the legs on that woman? Can we just talk about the entire body, face, voice of that woman? She was unbelievable. And I actually have never seen her live or even considered ever. I, she was a, I wouldn't say she's my favorite country artist. Now she is. But she's a great performer. Wow. And I would literally put prosthetics into my calves to have them look like hers. Mm -hmm. She, how old is she? 39, 40? Yeah, she has two kids ridiculous everything i know her body ridiculous. looks insane and her voice was so good they brought um out the guy from axel rose. rose yeah axel wow. rose let me tell you he was up there and he was living his best life they both actually complimented each other very well vocally it was it was, it so was good. epic yeah she was by far the best definitely have a girl crush on her now mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was really fun the only part i did not like about going to palm springs was driving alone I don't think I've ever made that trip by myself. Yeah, why did you drive? You, I, for some reason, this girl wanted to drive alone and go earlier than everybody else. Can I tell you the, the Three hours process? by herself. I'll tell you my thought process. I go, sometimes, you know, we talk a lot. Sophia and I are always communicating. We're always on FaceTime with our family. Always talking. Talking on this podcast. I thought, you know, it might be nice to sit in the car and just 
talk to myself. And it made me more depressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when you're, but when you're driving, because at least when you're not driving, you're a passenger, you can go on your phone, you yeah. can kind of like play with the music. You're, you're pretty silent. I didn't silent. listen to any music the whole time. That's kind of weird. That's that. That's, that's just your problem. <laughs> I know. I mean, what do you do in a long car ride like that? You have to have someone with you. I was just making checklists in my head. I was making pros and cons lists in my head. I was making terrible. hit lists in my head. That sounds terrible. I was with my boyfriend driving over, and we just listened to uh, Crime Junkie, all of the crime podcasts. Why do that was couples so much fun. bond over crime anything? Crime documentaries, Poor, crime podcasts. Yeah. You don't ever watch it alone, but when you're in a relationship, it's almost like a sweet thing people do with each other. I know. It's like a weirdly romantic yeah. type of thing to bond over. Well, it's especially in a long car ride, you're just trying to figure out who the murderer is. And he thinks it's funny because I can't help but make comments mm-hmm. on every single part of the, the problem. There was a one where someone was killing a guy and like they were trying to figure out the clues. And I'm just there saying, how did you not know? Sophia, or, let me tell you. If you're ever in her presence listening or watching a movie or doing something of that matter, she is the most annoying commentator ever. She talks the whole time. Yeah. We'll, we'll be just past the credits of a film and she'll say, what's going on? Yeah. I'm like, I'm at the same like, point as you. I don't know. Like, what's the story about? Why are there all these names Who's here? Who's this guy? I'm like, we just met him. I don't know. Do yeah. you have kids? No, I know. I do. Because I just am so curious. I just want to know what's going on. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I can't not. I, I, ambiguous <laughs> stuff doesn't work for me. Relationship-wise, friendship-wise. I understand anything. wanting to know the plot. But I just want to know everything. But if you and I are on the same point where we both don't know what it is I can't give you answers I know I I have to I know I know I'm just expecting you to all of a sudden have more clarity than I yes. do on other situations I have but, to say though after mm. this crazy weekend nothing made me happier than parking my butt on my cloud couch having pimple cream on my face humble and, brag yeah humble brag I spent all my money on a cloud couch anyway sitting there pimple cream on my face in a bathrobe watching the Met Gala Everyone looking their best, their best glam, and I felt like an actual slob kebab. Wait, but it was really nice. Up. You said that everyone at the Met looked their best. To what they interpreted. I'm going to tell best. you if you ever, if any of you guys went to the Met, you all did not look good. I'm sorry, like that was just not a good outfit. You thought they were good. Hey. I would say Haley Bieber looked great. Well, she always looks good. You know what? Haley, I don't think Haley Jenner looked that bad. Anything. Kendall always looks good. But you're talking about models here. People that aren't models, sometimes it's harder to pose to get the glam right. Sometimes, what if you're in an well, outfit? No, I'm, I'm not talking about randoms that are showing up. I'm talking about people that have had professionals and designers design their dress for... And I just have to say, there was a theme. It's like gilded glamour, glamour. gold, whatever it is. And it could have been such a great Met theme if everyone hoping, stuck to it. I was hoping people would come out in more Bridgerton-esque attire. That's what I was... Me too. Like someone even, dressed as Mary Antoinette. Like that would have been so even cool. Even the Bridgerton people could have just worn their costumes to the event okay. and they didn't even wear it. And they wore something that was just so much more modern. So now we're basically the fashion police of this podcast. Who do you think was the best dressed? Mm. I'm not going to lie random but i thought I wouldn't say she's best dressed but i thought julianne moore looked very appropriate very classy she dressed for her age i liked her hair sure okay i, I liked kendall's outfit i didn't like the bleached eyebrows um i okay. hated kylie's i'm sorry no shade to kylie but the everyone, backwards hat wasn't like everyone wasn't hated it. everyone hated yeah that one. you know oh you know what i loved emma chamberlain's outfit 
I loved her outfit. I thought it was so cute. The crown, everything. I think she really killed it. Well, she also has like a really good body. Yeah. So you could literally put anything on her and she'd make it look True. good. True. I thought, I know this wasn't on theme at all, but like I thought Lori Harvey's dress was like really sexy and cool, but I don't think she dressed yeah. right for the event. I thought it was interesting. There's been a lot of debate because Kim Kardashian wore the Marilyn Monroe dress. Oh, that's but right. But Chloe's looked pretty identical to it. And everyone's saying that Chloe looked a lot better than Kim. Really? Did yeah. you see that they uh, came out with how she put on the dress? Uh, yeah. Like, I think, did she, didn't they rip it a little bit and like to adjust no, they, her body? No, they couldn't even zip the butt part. No, I know. I think they adapt, they kept that open, they stitched it or something. I yeah. didn't really watch the whole thing, but I mean, that is insane and shows how much power she has that she was able to actually take the actual Marilyn Monroe dress. My favorite part though about herself. watching the entire Met was seeing all of the ex-couples show up sometimes with different people sometimes not and for me I was playing like a puzzle game in my head saying okay Austin Butler just walked in and he used to date Vanessa Hudgens they're here to go Jacob Lordy's here and he's Kaya. single but Kai is there with Austin Butler and, I, I was and then like, Sean Mendes is there Sean Mendes Camila Cabello and then I was like Phoebe Bridgers and Pete Davidson and I was oh, like oh I didn't even think about that yeah that's and, a, ooh, that's and crazy. I was thinking there's no better place on the planet to run into your ex than at the Met you have glam, you have a gown on, and if you feel your best, like, pfft, No, I know, I know. That Look is at like, me. I know, exactly. That is the time to show up and show to your ex that you are doing better off of them. Austin Butler looked great. Just had to note that. That's my top pick of the night. He what looked pretty great. is that man drinking? We don't know. Fountain of Youth, maybe? We said we didn't like blondes. He's he's an exception. He's an exception. <laughs> he I also think great. Vanessa Hudgens did look really she good, She looked too. great as well. Do I think they'd look good together? Yeah. Yeah, they would look really cool together. I do. I know. I really do. I do. I do agree with that. But yeah, I don't know. It didn't it didn't surprise me. I was really expecting more. Um, but I actually, just to change topics, this is, I don't know if you knew where I was yesterday. I sat by myself. I never do this, but I went to a random coffee shop just I feel to like you do this a lot. Well, I say go to, <laughs> oh, actually, that's so true. You do it a lot. That's so true. Everyone, I encourage you to just go to a random coffee shop and work by yourself. I never do that, really, like, for work. I'll go get a book or drink coffee or wine, whatever. But it was so much fun just people watching and sitting outside. I, I got so much things promise you, I will never be one of those girls sitting at a cafe for multiple hours using free Wi-Fi working on my computer. I, to be, why? Why would you want to walk not? into like a Starbucks and you see those people just sitting there? You don't walk, the Starbucks is, that's the place you avoid. You don't, that's like a, obviously a serious. So you type. want like you an aesthetic coffee shop? Yes. Okay. You need like to a pretty, yeah, you need like a pretty one that maybe makes like a drink that looks a little purple and fun. Oh. Yeah, you gotta like have Treat a yourself to a, a little $17 bit more Instagram. Drink. Yeah, <laughs> Instagrammable cafe, but it was fun actually getting out and like watching everybody on their computer doing some sort of work. I think it's important to sort of break your routine and do something that you wouldn't normally do. Um, something just happened above us, and I think it's haunted. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. Okay, so we have a really exciting guest on today that Sistine was really awesome and found. She is so cool. Yes, her name is Shan. She's sort of a relationship intimacy expert. Sophie and I love this topic so much. And I also think you guys like to hear it because most of your listener questions are about relationships, yeah. intimacy, even being confident without someone. And I'm just stoked to talk to her. I've listened to her, a lot of her episodes. A lot of her guests are really cool. So we're going to have a real vulnerable, honest conversation. And I cannot wait. So stay tuned for Shan. <laughs> 
Gaps in the diet should not be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual did not stop there. They invested in the gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essentials for Women 18 Plus multivitamins. The results? Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. If that's not crazy enough, the clinical study was published in the leading scientific journal Frontiers in Nutrition. Ooh, a published clinical study is a big deal and a serious commitment to first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. Ritual is committed to a third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication. No shady stuff, guys. Right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash unwaxed and turn healthy habits into a ritual. Again, 10 one zero percent off at ritual.com slash unwaxed. All right, guys, today we have an author, intimacy educator, and sexologist who describes herself as Dr. Ruth meets Rihanna. Hey. That's pretty epic. <laughs> Using her podcast, Lovers and Friends, and her multiple social media platforms, she teaches people how to be more confident in and out of relationships while giving sex advice, dating, love, and everything in between. This is Shan Boudram. Yes! Oh my God. That was reading, bitch. That was great. I'm not going to lie, I didn't breathe that whole time. We get nervous doing these intros for people. They're very nerve wracking. They are. No, but I'll tell you, Sophie and I only get nervous introing someone that we're really excited about. Yeah. We're really excited We're to so have you excited. here. If you don't care, you're like, if I say something yeah. wrong, you'll get over exactly. it. I know. Oh, exactly. my gosh. Well, thank you for coming in. Well, thank you for having me. You know, a lot of people... It's hard to get people to come on the show and you followed up with me and you were so sweet and so kind and you were on it. And I was like, wow, like a lot of people don't try and just try to make an effort. So we really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, listen, I have so a podcast beautiful. too. You get you get it. It. I know how hard, or people say yes, but that yes means like, secretly in brackets 2027 yes but yes. they don't yes. like say that yes. so then you're like following up with them it can be a lot so i get it when you're just like no i'm trying to have an interesting conversation totally. i love yeah. the conversation you guys have here so i'm grateful to be a part Thanks. of it well, Thanks. Actually, like i have well, to say the way i actually found you was on you were on too hot to handle yes yeah oh and no God, it's like right. a, when people say like the way that i found you do you hold your breath because you're like what are they gonna what say, yeah. say like, where I mean, was i yeah exactly. I, I love like, it. where did i go i don't even so remember i saw this. you on red tube like, like, and I saw um you, like, drunk at a club one time. yeah you're just like where did you <laughs> I thought i was more subtle yes. no but you were giving a seminar to the ladies about talking to their cookie yoni yes. 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 you can call it whatever you want that's the joy we call it shishi we call it anything um but i really thought that was so epic and I tried to do it myself and I just felt super uncomfortable but I really liked yeah oh, I really that. liked what you had to say about it I mean you said that there was some power and and talking to it and sort of you know making it your best friend but do you think it, that really helps when you talk to your yoni 
I mean, you can create the relationship however you want to, which is the amazing thing about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's identifying like what brings you joy, what gives you strength. And so I think for a lot of people who mm -hmm. have vulvas and a lot of people that identify as women in general, you're sort of like, like I have a one and a half year old daughter and every time her diaper comes off, she grabs her vulva. Right. And really? she knows eyes, nose, ears, mouth, vulva. Because wow. I'm like, you identify it. But there are some of us who grew up like, don't touch that. Right. Don't look at that. Oh. That's a bad part. So you are encouraged not to have this relationship. You're encouraged right. to disassociate yeah. and to associate it with shame. So for someone like that, it can be helpful as you get older mm -hmm. to be like, what's up? Right like, up. I don't think I've ever really like formally introduced exactly. myself because yes. I've been told to ignore you. Like I did a YouTube video once about women and different ways that women orgasm. Mm -hmm. And someone was saying that like them, them and their sister were playing with like hoses when they were like six or seven. Mm -hmm. And she goes to her sister, like, take the hose and put it on your hoo-ha or cookie or no whatever. Way. Where they said, yeah. it feels amazing. And they weren't saying it like in a sexual way. It was just like, just like, it's a fact of life. Yeah, they right. felt, like this it feels, feels great. Yeah. That feels great. And then the older sister, you know, who had probably gone through a bit more socialization right. was like, don't ever say that. Don't ever talk about oh, that. Geez. Do not do that. That is bad. That's a right. bad party, body part. So for that individual, getting to a place where it's like, this is a good body part. Yeah. And right? I'm sorry for ignoring you. Or I'm sorry for labeling you as bad or letting other people's assumptions about you dictate how yeah. we connect. Talking can be helpful. Definitely. And now you've become like this person that is breaking the norm and the stereotype and the, the shame behind knowing your body and understanding like something that we all kind of go through which is like this is something a part of ourselves that we haven't even explored what made you even want to start becoming the voice for people that don't really have a voice or even know what questions to ask I think there's always like two kinds of people who come into any purpose in life right mm -hmm. like there's the people who it's like it was so good for me mm -hmm. so I want other people to learn because I know a lot I've right. experienced the right way and I want whatever quote unquote right is and I want to guide others and then there's people who are like yo it fucking sucked for me Right. And I made so many mistakes. I put myself in so many negative situations. Yeah. So in essence, I'm that person. Like I started learning about sex because I had a super shitty teen sex life. I had mm -hmm. every negative experience you can have under the books, zero wow. orgasms, no connection, mm -hmm. a lack of understanding of my body. I thought my clitoris was something that was like inside, which is oh, why gosh. in porn, you know, women yeah. scream so much. So I'm like, when I find the right penis, that's curved It'll the right the way. Right It'll yeah. find yeah. that button. Like those, and I was like having sex thinking that. So right. I, I'm like, if I didn't know so much and mm -hmm. I was so misinformed, there has to be other people. So I educated myself first out of need. And then I was like, wow, someone else should be offering this information. And I was like, bitch, why can't that someone else be you? Exactly. Right, exactly. And yeah. I see this, the following you have from it. It's like a lot of people, most people are curious about it. And I feel like it's just hard to know where to even start. And you you guys, you just go back to even the basics. I actually saw a video the other day on your, I was stalking you on your Instagram. Okay. And you even went on and you were talking about just how to kiss. Like just even stuff like that where people like, no one talk, like told me about it or even anything. Like That's I was true. Sophie and I did look up a YouTube video, how to make out because we genuinely, that's the problem. We go to school, the sex ed didn't really exist for us. We were afraid to even talk about our body parts as kids and what felt good and what anything was. And, I mean, are you guys great maker outers? I think I, can now, I actually say yes? But I, have, I know I am. I pride I myself have to in say, it. You know, <laughs> because we were so uneducated in just the basics of everything, I didn't believe that I was good at anything until I was told I was good at anything. Yeah, that's actually true. So, do you have a lot of people coming to you for advice? I don't know how to do this. I'm embarrassed that I can't do that. It's getting better. I mean, I've been in the space now for 18 years, it's a really wow. long time. Wow. So, when I first started, 
I don't think that the search engines or information wasn't as vast. So my job was actually a lot easier back in the mm-hmm. day because people would be like, I don't know how to orgasm. I was like, let me introduce you to the clitoris. Right. And they're like, exactly. oh, I've never heard that word before. Right. Or like, oh, I want to try anal, but it hurts. And I'm like, oh, you've got two sphincters. And so now so much of that is Googleable, or you would have right. seen yeah. a video. So the questions I get are not usually as simple as like, how do I do this one thing? I want to kiss better. You know, what's the how-to? Because you would have just looked it up on YouTube or right. Google did. The question you're going to ask me is like, when I was five, right, and then yeah, like right, paragraphs right, of pages. Right, right. So like all the more nuances that come with it, which, you know, makes my job more interesting, but um, definitely more difficult and also never ending. Sometimes people say to me like, oh, like how can you talk about that every day for so long? I'm like, there's a right. billion different versions that yeah. each person has in this planet. There's always things to explore right. and understand. I'm still learning every day. No, there's yeah. so many things to learn. And I think that the hardest part about all of this is really finding a source or a person. Can I that put my can... foot on the couch? Oh, yeah, I please. think I keep like trying to like find No, my... go do it. Find my way. Any way you want. This okay. is on wax. We can go oh, any way you want. Okay, so... My thing is, like, I remember growing up not knowing really anything about my body. My my parents really talked about it with me. It was like, that's their generation. I had younger sisters. And I think the hardest part is really researching and finding. Because when you go on these sites, it's pretty intimidating. I mean, you're just looking at scientific sources, and they're mostly written by men. And so you don't really know what you're reading is going to mm-hmm. be accurate. So if I was someone now, like, trying to figure out or ask these questions, where do I go? Like, who do I talk to? Where do I start? That if I couldn't, didn't know that you existed yet, you know? Like, now if I was you, like, for me today and I didn't know, I'd probably go to your page and, like, really research. That's the great thing is I think that there's actually so many different options now. Mm-hmm. So I might represent information for some people, but other mm-hmm. people may have more specific needs or questions that I'm not answering. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that I started in this space a while ago where if I said I talk about sex for a living, people were like, what? I, as if I said, oh, I talk about disco ball. I mean, right. the jukeboxes for yeah. a living. And you're like, you made a job out of that? That's so obscure. Right. But now so many more people have broken into the field. It's become a lot more widespread. We were watching uh, the show recently, Bel Air, and there was a house of influencers. And one of the influencers was like a sex and relationship expert. Mm-hmm. And my husband was like, that is so based on you. <laughs> da, 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 da. But I was so like, funny. that's just to me like how much the field has broken open now. Right. So true. that to be said is probably still difficult, sure. But yeah. I think it's a lot easier now to identify like here's who I can learn from if my parents didn't. Yeah. I would I, thought that you're I wouldn't I guess because you're you grew up with a lot of exposure, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have thought your parents would have taught or told you a lot really early on. Our parents were more so, um, and I mean we don't talk to anything about our dad and wise, but with our mom, she was always one of those people that never judged. If we had any mm-hmm. questions, she would answer them. But but she's also like a little petunia. She's very yeah, petite exactly. and like delicate and she doesn't want to talk about anything like too much or too vulgar with us, especially when we were younger. So I think Sophia and I really had to come together actually, and work it was, on it with each other. Like, okay, you kiss someone for the first time, Sophia, tell me everything I need to know. Yeah, and, but it's funny because now today, if we want to talk to our mom about anything, she's so open about yeah. it and she loves it. But yes. that was because we kind of reinforced yes. it with you her. created the culture. Yeah. We created the culture in our family. And so now we are just like open so books. do you think that it's the parents' responsibility to inform their kids at an earlier age about these things? Or do you think that, you know, it's sort of 50% each the child and the parents responsibility. Oh, it's definitely the parents, but yeah. I mean, it's generational. Yeah. It is, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I empathize with my mom. My mom had this kind of same approach. My mom was very much like, don't ask, don't tell. Right. Mm-hmm. My parents applied the um, ask me anything 
you know, That's way. Great. It's it is great, but it's also a lot of pressure on the kid to, go to initiate the yeah. conversations and to know what to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And to not know what the I What's use the boundaries this. also. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always make this joke um that like my mom was like, Yeah, you can ask me anything. But my mom positioned herself as somebody who was like I was 18 with the love of my life. I had my first yeah. sexual experience. Yeah. And yeah. then I met your father. Yes, Everything exactly. is great. And then I'm like, oh man, like I fucked a carrot last night at 14. <laughs> like how do I tell this person? See, that, right. That's like my mom, she goes, your dad was my second boyfriend aside from my high school boyfriend. So Sabina are like, oh my God, weird. Like, are we doing this wrong? Right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm 12 like, and I've already passed you. Yeah, I think that there is such almost shame behind sexuality and dating and numbers. And numbers is something that I'd really like to get into because a lot of men, I mean, maybe women too, but my experience with men is they make you feel bad about what your number is. If it's too high, you're a slut. If it's too low, you're a prude and won't put out. So, I mean, can we just like get into that? Have you ever experienced that? What's your advice when, you know, you're asked what your number is? Because I've been asked that question and I've been told just lie and make up a number or say what you think that they want to hear. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting that there was a time in my life where I literally woke up every single day and thought about my quote unquote body count. I memorized my number and it would be, I was dating. So it was the forefront of like, if they ask, what do I say? If you ask me today, genuinely, I have a ballpark, but like Mm -hmm. you just kind of forget because I'm like, what's really the point? If you ask me how people have kissed, I'm like, hey, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like if I thought about it, I'm sure it can come up with a number. And I know so many men um, who in particular don't know their number either Mm -hmm. kind of for the same reason because they're not obsessed with like thinking about it. So I think to catch 22, is there some value? Because yeah, knowing someone's ballpark could tell you a lot about their sexual ethics. Right. Mm -hmm. But also there's probably more to the story. So for example, Mm -hmm. for me, I had seven sexual partners by the time I was like 19, maybe 18. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was the bulk of my sexual activity with yeah. I was searching for that magic penis. Right, to like right, find right. the clitoris, yeah, right? So that if I told you my number, I'm like, yeah, the bulk of it though happened within the first year and a half of me becoming sexual. So right. that isn't necessarily reflective of the way that I have sex or who I have sex with today. So yeah, right. I get it from like that standpoint that if your number is 200, that communicates to me that like, oh, you have multiple sexual partners. You're very mm-hmm. sexual liberal. Right. And now I have additional questions. Like, right. What's your sexual health status? How often do you get checked? Furthermore, do you think there's an overlap between my friend circle and your friend circle that could make things awkward? Which that's actually the heart of the question to me is like, hey, how is this going to like impact my health and also like my social health? Yeah. But it's just a little stupid. It was actually, I had this funny conversation with somebody who was like, you know, I could definitely tell when a woman's had multiple sexual partners. What? How can you tell? It's just looser. What? And I was like, oh, so you got a small dick. Yeah. Wait, and then he was like, what? This is the craziest myth I've ever heard. I don't know it's how nuts. people believe this. Well, it's crazy to say to a pregnant woman who's already had a kid. Because like, what oh. are you insinuating about my yeah. vagina? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So exactly. he was like, yeah, you can tell because it's looser. I was like, oh, you have a small dick. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, that means if someone's had multiple partners... Most of their partners are bigger, bigger. than you. So when you go in, you you're like, I, this is, that's too yeah. bad. It's all it's like, and I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now you don't like yeah. it. So when what, it impacts yeah. your character, something about you. Yes. Exactly. It has more to do. Are there differences in people's size? I'm sure there are, but it has to do with one compatibility of penis size and vaginal size and has more to do 
with the strength of your pelvic floor muscles than probably right. number of partners. And it's called Kegels, right? That you do that yes. tighter. Yes. I know. I've heard yes. of that. You're supposed to do that at every stop weight. That's what someone told me. Yes. Is uh, that was the thing? Like, well, I've heard like when you're, uh, you know, when you're doing the turn signal, it's like, oh, do, do, do. oh, oh my God, that's yeah. so genius. Sure. Do that's I do it? No, but. No, I, know. Yeah. I, don't I never remember. I think that um, most people that feel insecure with their body, especially during sex, sometimes it comes from comments like that where, you know, others project their insecurity on you and then you feel almost ashamed. Because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with guy friends and girlfriends that they're embarrassed about this, the way this looks, or they're embarrassed about their performance, or they come too quickly or whatever it may be, only because someone else has made them feel really bad about it. Do you have any advice for people that just, you know, one need help accepting who they are and being confident in who they are in their bodies? Yeah, I mean, certain things obviously take more explanation. You know, if you, we all have these ideas of what's good and what's bad, you know, mm -hmm. what's clean and what's dirty when it comes to sex. You have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I talk to people who have STIs like herpes, right. where in that like, you know, it's difficult for them to find partners who are accepting, but you have to also acknowledge that we're in a culture that doesn't promote these conversations mm -hmm. and isn't very aware about yeah, what that right. is. So should I judge every person that I meet who doesn't get it? Right. Or do I empathize and be like, it sucks that we're in this culture that like right. promotes yeah. these ideals that are really harmful and not actually based in facts. So right. there's a mix of both of like, if you come very quickly, for example, um, there there's a book that I love that's called She Comes First. And it was written by Dr. Ian Kerner. Mm -hmm. And essentially he was a premature ejaculator. Right. And he felt all this shame and guilt around mm -hmm. it. Then did the research and was like, wait a second, penetration isn't even the primary way that majority of people with vulvas get off. So right. why am I yeah. making this the focal point of my sexual performance? Yeah. Right. He had a conversation with his wife and his wife was like, yeah, I don't really come from penetration anyways. And he's like, cool, mm -hmm. let me get better at other things that are right. more within my body's capacity and capabilities. Right, right. So, it can be like, it's good to acknowledge, you know, where your shortcomings, I say shortcomings, the grain of salt, like in the yeah. realm of what society thinks is good and bad. Yeah. And then also to like find workarounds and then choose people who can be a part of solution-based dialogues. So do yes. you think that it also takes, because sometimes I feel like when you've had sexual partners and maybe you feel insecure that you're almost like kind of, for females, like lost your feminine energy and you feel like that like divine sense of self, like that confidence. Oh, that's a good question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does it take a partner to also encourage that and bring that to you? Because what if you just stop feeling sexy or sexual and you're like, wow, I just lost all my mojo? I mean, like anything else in the world, if you're like oh man, my elbow hurts, bad example, but you just troubleshoot, mm -hmm, right? right? So you kind of figure out, am I sitting in a weird way that's causing it to do that? Am I hanging out with somebody who's putting me in positions for my elbow to be sore? Am I actively doing mm. things? Do I need to get a brace? So it's all just troubleshooting. So like for that particular case, you can be like, what's changed, right? So are there circumstantial changes I can make? Mm -hmm. Are there right. people? Because I think it's also important too. We live in a self-help culture right now, mm -hmm. right? Of like, yeah. it's you. Like, love yourself. Choose yourself. Right. Think right. you're sexy oh first, which is important, but it's a piece yeah, of the puzzle exactly. because like, yeah, hey, I don't thing. live alone. Yeah. And I think there's a thing called reciprocal determinism, which means like, I might be one way towards you guys because you're being nice to me, right? Like mm -hmm. if I came in here, Sistine, and you were like being closed off and a bitch, my energy towards you would be different. Totally. So it's like I'm showing up for you in reciprocity to how you're showing up with me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's not that you need to do the work. You need to be nicer. You need to love yourself more. And it's that. more like, no, nah, I'm hanging around people who are not really supporting me in this way. So I got to either let them know and ask them for what yeah. I need or yeah. to find other people in places. Yeah. So how do you find the confidence to ask your guy or girl, whoever you're dating, what you need? 
And because I think sometimes, like, if you bring up a, maybe if it's involving sex or if maybe it's involving something personal with yourself, it's a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. They could take it personally. You don't really know how to approach it. How do you word it or how do you just say to your partner, like, we need to have this talk because this is what I need to fix or this is something that would make me feel better in bed or this is going to, like, how do you do it without hurting the other person or making them feel like it's a, it's a them problem when it's... Do you know how I'm trying to word it? I'm yes. I mean, there's no perfect answer to yeah. this. I like am in a major argument with somebody because I told my truth to them and they got really offended by how I told my truth. Mm, so I'm not gotcha. the expert on like, here's the perfect way to right. tell people news. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a troubleshooting process. But ultimately on the other side of that dialogue, it's better for you. Right. Like I said, this is a person that I'm in a, you know, in a tiff with right now where and they're like, I feel so hurt. I feel so this. And I was like, totally. But I've been feeling this way for like months. Right. So mm -hmm. you feel it now today because I brought it to your attention. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like is the person that I tell like, hey, I'm not orgasming or I don't feel sexy around right. you or I feel like my sexual potential is limited by some of the judgments that you make or comments yeah. or the way that you expect me to show up in the bedroom. That's uncomfortable for that person in the moment. Mm -hmm. But like, I've been having bad sex with you for fucking four years. And that's, See? Okay. Exactly. So that, that's the trade-off you I have to like balance. And I would like to touch exactly. on that. At that point when it's just not clicking for you and maybe it's clicking for them, but probably not the last one or two times, is there anything you can really do to salvage it or sort of reverse the effects? Or is it sort of just, we're not compatible? Oh, 100% you could salvage it. Oh. If somebody was willing to learn and adjust, yeah, so if they have the a learner's mindset, yeah. Yeah. have you ever like had someone tell you you're doing something wrong that you're like, I didn't even realize of that course. wasn't on my radar? Totally. Yeah. So sometimes for people that's not even on their radar, I mean, myself and my husband like have literal like textbook classic uncomfortable conversations and mm -hmm. we've had them publicly and I think it's helpful for people to see that model like right. I literally have to ask him like this, do you know what a compliment is can you apply it to me oh, and gotcha. he's like but I think these things all the time or oh, I show them in yeah. these ways I'm like yeah. no I need to hear it you know it's and like we, love language yes yeah. and we talked about that like in terms of foreplay like mm -hmm. his perception of foreplay is like 20 minutes before sometimes but I'm mm -hmm. like I need the little touches all day long right yeah. I need like when I walk by you're like that ass though and exactly. then I'm like oh totally. and then 10 hours later because otherwise, when you try to initiate with me and it's been very like sort of stoic and ex mm -hmm. you know transactional all day, and then you try initiate me at night, I don't I don't have the energy because right. I'm not really energized in that sexual way. Right. I think first of all, foreplay is totally overlooked, and also I think that a lot of people I'm just gonna say men because that applies to what I'm used to. Um, they often mimic what their previous partner or partners liked for foreplay. Maybe they, the girls didn't like foreplay. Maybe they didn't need it. Mm -hmm. And so they just think that you, you know, need the same. Right. And so having that conversation and saying, no, actually, I need this. I mean, it only gets better. And if yes. it gets worse, right. then that's a whole different set That's of actually the more helpful piece of information. Yeah. Not that, like, this person doesn't magically know what I right. want. Because right. in a healthy relationship, hopefully there are some places that you're like, we flow. Right. Or else you wouldn't have gotten together. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't have to explain to them what my hobbies are. They just got it. I didn't right. have to explain yeah. to them, like, my value system around God because they just got it. We align there. I was going to ask you this question because, like, congratulations. You're also on your second baby. Hey. Second baby. It's so exciting. Um, and you said you were with your partner for four years so far, right? Kind or, of 2015. So, like, oh. somewhere in the wow. seven-ish. That's awesome. Yeah. How, so, were you guys together before you started doing this? And then did, was he always just initially really attracted to you, like the whole like because some guys get intimidated about females that talk about sex publicly and then also talk about their sex that they have and make that an example um how did that even start like how did you know that he was going to be kind of like the quote one for you 
the interesting thing about my relationship is that it didn't build in that like you just know way. You know, you're right. like you just know when you meet that person. Yeah, when you know, you yeah, know. No, no, so no it was way. more like, oh, I really want to fuck this guy. Like that's okay. like the precipice of how we got yeah. together. Yeah. But that to be said, at the present, at the time that I met him, I was looking for a fuck buddy. I'm mm-hmm. not from America. I was like on the fritz of being deported, so I couldn't legally work, and I just came mm-hmm. out of a toxic relationship. So I was not ready to enter into like anything substantial. Mm-hmm. But I did know that at the time I had just finished school for sexology. I learned all this amazing stuff, and I wanted to invite pleasure in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was like specifically looking for a friends with benefits, and the reason why I was like, oh, this is the person I want to engage in this with is that like a lot of men in particular, if I'd say like, oh, I study or talk about sex mm-hmm. for a living, they're like, what's your education? Where did you go to school? You know, how long have you really? been doing it? So right. it becomes like a jocking thing of, right. oh, like they're trying to assess if I can have sex with their girlfriend better than them. Right. right? There's this is like, there's a need to, and also oh, to like, okay. there's a lack of interest and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my husband, Jared, he was like, I was so intrigued by you. And he's like, I'm going to be very honest. I wanted to have sex with you so I could be better for other people. So oh, he came into really? it like, you studied sex for a living? Amazing. Let me use Teach this me. girl to, to, to learn, me. right? Oh, so okay. he was always fascinated. Like that's at the root of, I didn't talk publicly at the time I did, but like not obviously at the platform or level I'm at now. Yeah. Um, and that's how he knew me. He initially had DM me at some point to say, I like your work, but it was like for, you know, 10 people. But I'm totally, he was very much like, interested so right. i always say when people ask that question of like right. i'm sure you get asked that too like yeah how do you find somebody who's not right. intimidated it's right. like one that person finds you mm-hmm. and two you kind of know because you probably have so much experience right. meeting men mm-hmm. who feel minimized by you or right. are intimidated by your family and so that comes up pretty early yeah. and your yeah. radar is re- probably really high for that you yeah. said you were a toxic relationship previously so what were the things that you saw in the last toxic relationship that were completely different from the one you were in now? And you were like, okay, this is polar opposite. This is going to be a healthier relationship mm-hmm. than what I had before. Base rate for me, like my husband thinks I'm a good person and mm-hmm. always evaluates me as a good person first. Where I think in my last relationship, he was constantly trying to look for like- Problems. You're bad or you're bad yeah. because of this. And all, a lot of it came from his own bad behaviors mm-hmm. and then trying to justify why he did mm-hmm. manipulative things or right. cheated or- Right. He was like trying to point the blame rather than being like, I have some work to do. So at a base rate, when I knew that Jared was my life partner, I was like, I don't ever feel like I have to qualify myself for you. Or I have to audition for you to like see the good in me. Right. Uh, And that was a big difference. And also Jared has like a learner's mindset. Mm -hmm. That's Um, really important because being with someone that's willing to learn and adjust and also able to teach you things, I think is some of the most important qualities in a relationship. But Going back to what you were just saying, why do you think that we often try really hard to make the toxic person in the relationship like us more when deep down, like women have a very good intuition and we know in our gut that something isn't right, but we still try to make it work. So why do you think sometimes we stay in it when we know it's not right for us? This is like the most slippery slope question because it's my favorite topic. And I could monologue. <laughs> Let's slip. Let's get well, into it. Well, only just because like, I think, um, like what's something that you guys have learned scientifically that you know inside out? Like nutrition or fitness or is yeah. it? Yeah, we could say fitness. Yeah, fitness, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so when nutrition. you learn about different body types and so if I come to you and I'm like, I've been on the treadmill for three years and I can't. And you're like, Oh, here's why, yeah, right? Totally. So it's like when you don't understand 
the biological basis for things, then you mm-hmm. can find yourself spinning in in place or yeah. like mm-hmm. in the dirt trying to figure shit out where it's like, no, like your body's actually set up as an evolutionary flaw in many cases for that. So yeah. love is the same thing where like we're born to bond. It is yeah. love is a function of evolution. Mm-hmm. So you're driven to love. So it's, people think of love as a feeling, but feelings change and go. I'm having a good time right now. If you guys yeah. poured water in my face, I'd be mad. Right. Yeah. So, but love is present regardless. Yeah. So it's actually more of a neurological condition. Mm. Um, and so any condition, obviously, if the circumstances aren't ideal, cannot be favorable for you. So it's, right. an, it's an addiction. So yeah. the fucked up thing that actually happens too in like a toxic relationship is that your attachment system, mm-hmm. when you feel like you're in danger, you want to move towards people that your brain has identified as like loving individuals, right. which can actually be the person who hurts you. Right. So yeah. it's this weird push and pull of like my, for whatever reason, my brain decided you're my individual. Mm-hmm. I made a pair bond with you. Mm-hmm. Right. We now are, you're uh, an addiction for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But later on, I start to feel like harm from you and danger from right. you. And in those moments of danger, initially, I might go into fight or flight where I move away from you. Mm-hmm. But then my brain wants to be around the people that are within my attachment system. So I'm drawn back to you. Right. So like your own brain creates this yeah. system that makes it very difficult for you to get out of toxic relationships because your brain doesn't care if yeah. you're happy. Your brain just works off of like, again, an outdated survival mode. Mm-hmm. So that to be said, I encourage everybody. It was the most freeing thing for me coming out of my toxic to relationship learn to learn about love from a sociological and a scientific perspective, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, like, right. this is why. Yeah, I, I totally get that. But um, sometimes I find myself, I'll speak for myself, that when I, I was dating a really toxic, I'll say people, multiple people, they were often the ones that it took me the longest to get over. Yes. And it was the hardest year, year and a half. And then the ones that treat you really good, it's like we're almost able just to sort of move on, start dating again in two months. Did you find that with your toxic relationships or because you educated yourself and you became self-aware coming out of them that you were able to sort of stop that obsessive pattern of, you know, why won't he love me? Why didn't he accept me? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, the toxic ones, I think, again, like they play on your psyche, so they're going to have a longer hold on you. Mm -hmm. And they probably didn't end because you had naturally decided that it was you know, it was over. Yeah. It was because you had to rip yourself free of it. Right. So the other ones that are like more peaceful or, you know, better quote unquote people, you probably just got to a place over time of like, yeah, I just fundamentally don't think that we're good together. Whereas mm. in these relationships, you're like, I know you're not good for me, but I'm also like heavily addicted to you. And then there's also like the sunk cost fallacy or the casino effect that happens mm-hmm. where you've invested so much so, in somebody. I was say, so much time into somebody yeah. that you're like, I just wasted so much time, but you don't want to realize that. Yes. That you wasted all your energy on someone that wasn't reciprocating any of that love back yeah. in the way that you should deserve it. And you could be like, on the other side of this, is there a better version of you? Right. That, and that's what I've been waiting for this whole time. And if I leave now, what if the next person who comes gets that version <sighs> right, of you? Right, and so right. I think there's just so much more at play psychologically. It's really fascinating to me because I have somebody in my life um, who works with me. And so I often hear about people's love lives. Yeah, right. And he is such a classic textbook fuckboy. 
Right. Um, and every time he listens to one of my podcast episodes, he's like, oh, I'm a gaslighter. He's like, I do that. Um, and he's like becoming privy to these words, but like kind of serendipitously learned without knowing what the language is. Right. Like what are the techniques that allow me to continue my bad behavior right. in mm-hmm. order to get the best out of people? Mm. Um, and people, you have to kind of acknowledge that too, that like, yeah, some people genuinely are literally fucking with you on purpose. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I also think, I know this will never happen, but if you are a fuck boy or you are a gaslighter or even a fuck girl, right? It's better just to be upfront and you know what you're doing and you know the games that you're playing and you know that you're toying people along, but to act like someone else just to get you or, or satisfy you or sort of win a game in your head and then do something completely different. I mean, that's when I think it's the hardest for people to... Because you're like, who is this person? Maybe I can try to fix them. And yes. Then not everyone is fixable. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can say from like, I've had this conversation with that person multiple times, like just be open and upfront. Yeah. But for them, that person believes that there's a chance of a relationship. They believe in exclusivity. Right. So they invest in gifts for that person. Right. They invest in more, they invest in sexual exclusivity for them, which they right. prize that, you know. So I think that as much as it's like, just be honest that person's like, yeah, but if I'm honest, I might lose. Because right now I'm getting everything that I want. Right. Except for people enjoying the experience of being with me, which I value very much. Right. Right. right? Like it's, you're creating a dynamic where, yes, people are giving you time, attention, money, sex, whatever, but they're like very uncomfortable within it. And mm-hmm. you probably argue a lot. But you don't really prioritize that much as much as you prioritize the things that you're getting. So the unfortunate thing I had to kind of come to is like, we kind of want to believe that everybody's good. Yeah. I mean, good is yeah. a bad word. No, it's so true. No, you want to believe the best and the worst of people. Like, you don't want to believe you that someone everyone... can be as bad as they can yeah. be. Yes. And it's hard to believe, especially when you are yourself someone that isn't a manipulative person and all you really want at the end of the day is love, that someone can truly do that and intentionally do that to you. It's like when you've been conned with yeah. money. Yeah. And you're like, no one would really set up a false business to trick old people out of their hard-earned pension. Right. Yes, they yes, fucking they do. Or even like people stealing out of your bag. You're like, no one's actually going to pickpocket me and like and take my Until wallet and my credit. Because I happen. would never want that to happen to like, somebody else with me. So why yeah. would I do that? But like that person, that is it. So I think that's a kind of a part of the breaking free of the cycle too, of acknowledging that like, yeah, there are genuinely people out there who are aware that they're being mm-hmm. harmful, but they prioritize the benefits they get from that harm over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. Do you think also including sex and all of that, because love and then sex also, that does release endorphins and things like that. And it, is it a fact that women bond or mate to people that they do have sex with more than men do? Yeah. Right? Um, oxytocin, which is like the cuddle hormone, yeah. the bonding mm-hmm. hormone, um, it is actually released in orgasm, but the highest dose of it is actually released in after sex cuddling. Really? That's when the pair bond happens. Oh. oh, I didn't know that. So that can be helpful too if you're trying to engage in like a consensual, sexual, strictly only sexual relationship is to really put in firm boundaries. I had that with my husband when we were just fuck buddies. We never, ever, ever did sleepovers. Oh, really? So no sleepovers and no cuddling to not engage Because you wanted to make it clear that this is just what it is. We're not trying to produce feelings for each other. I also didn't want my body to outsmart me. We're like, oh, it does that. Yeah, Yeah, where now I'm a slave to feelings that I didn't consciously want for myself right. so yeah you, right. it's like with food right yeah some people can have candies and treats in the house and some people are like i can't even buy it because if it's there i'll eat it yeah you have to learn how to outsmart yourself just knowing your tendencies right so going That's off me with of ice cream 
quote-unquote. <laughs> <laughs> Literally last night. Literally, yeah. You're like, I can't even know. I know. I can't know. I actually have absolutely zero self-control. I'm like one of those people. Like, if I have it in the house, I will eat the whole bag. I'm like, if there's a plate of there's food. There's nothing wrong with indulging. Well, there is. I consider myself to be like a love addict. Like, obviously, I love love. Oh, which oh, is I why I got involved in this place. Oh, so my gosh. if I don't put protections in place for myself, and I'm also a little bit of an egomaniac. Um, I went through a period of time where like every dude that I dated was like, you're my soulmate. And that felt really good for me. Even if I didn't feel the way towards them. Right. I'm like, affirm me as being great. But then I'm like, if I meet somebody who knows how to play with that, okay. oh, right. I can really get fucked. I, right. I need help with this because I will say yes to any person that will ask me out. I will convince myself that I like this person more than I actually do just because maybe I'm filling the void in my life that I'm lacking with a relationship or this person, but I know it's not right. What ways, because you just said that you had to put up protection for yourself. So in what ways in your life did you protect yourself that I can apply to mine? You got to just find other healthy outlets. Like I love flirting. You know, I like flirting because I like feeling yes. like sexy and pretty. I love flirting. We are huge I'm in a relationship flirts. now, so I can't do it at, at all. But it's just, it was hard like, in the beginning because that was something that I just used as a way to kind of get attention or just like that. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Yeah. Like that was my, that was just fun. For me, it yeah. wasn't something that I was so just flirting, trying to get attention. flirting is one. Well, you could find it or you could find other ways because you could flirt with complete strangers, right? You could flirt mm -hmm. with people who, you know, are of the gender that you're not necessarily attracted to. Totally. So you're still getting that kind of sexual exchange. Yeah. You, right. you know, you might have a fake username where you just chat with people online. Like you find ways that you yeah. other healthy outlets for you or you post their straps on Instagram and your partner's okay with that and you get flirty comments and like that mm -hmm. satisfies that part of yourself right. without you creating those direct relationships. <laughs> totally. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, I didn't even think of it that, that. Like there's different outlets even sexually just to do it that you can get satisfaction from them. Yeah. Oh. And I think that for me, like I had to make that switch. I remember when I like became really aware in my 30s, dating became amazing because I was just really mm -hmm. aware of myself and aware of like my tendencies. Do you think tendencies. it's better as you get older? Not as it's not about age, no, it's about on, time. Tell us it gets well, better. it's time. Like <laughs> somebody who's three years old in Cambodia knows more about Cambodia than me. So right. it's not about age, it's about how much time have you invested in understanding something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I can meet a 17 year old who's like, nah, my parents were on it. I've been reading psychology, psychological books. I've been going to sex ed class. And yeah. that person might have figured shit out more mm -hmm. than I have because they've been investing more time. I mean, I, I've been. More years than 17, 18, I said, right? Yeah, so they have 18. to be 18 in order for us to have that debate. But totally. nonetheless, that to be said, I don't think it's about age. I think it's about investment of time. And I think at 30, I started my education at 18. Um, mm -hmm. And then I didn't actually start learning about relationships until 27. Okay. I was only focused on sex for the first bit. And yeah. then I was like, well, what about intimacy? Yeah. So that 30, I was like, oh, I know my shit. Right. So I remember right. I went out on this date with this dude and he was so hot and he like washed my car for me. <gasps> what? We had this really Very great nice. time. What did you do to get him to do that? Just be myself, you, you like, know? Flirt. Just like really, <laughs> really positive to be around. I just get really happy when my wheels are shiny. Exactly. <laughs> and he was, he took me to this rooftop and we were like looking out together and having a great time. And then all of a sudden he got like super sexual with me and it just became like, very clear that his agenda the entire time was, was that. to do that, yeah. And I was like, ah. Uh, and I was really turned on, but I'm like, I have to leave and delete this person's right. information yeah. because I know, one, what kind of relationship is going to lead to. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know that my ego might be like, but I'll prove to you that I'm so much more yeah. and right. that I'm special for washing my car just because I'm special. Right. And yes. then I was like, why? Why? When I can just delete it and right. move on. That's a, that's a really good point because I think um, 
a lot of people, and I know myself for sure, is like you want to, again, perceive the best in people. So in my brain, I'd be like, but he did this nice thing for him, so I should like, you know, let him continue with me. But if you cut off the cycle early, you're going to avoid a lot of damage and red flags later on. And I always say that like the red flags that you ignore in the beginning of the relationship are often the same ones that you you know, you see that you later. break up with them yeah. for. That's just the same reason. Since you've had your podcast and now people are probably, they feel like they can like have more accessibility to like to ask you questions. What is the most common question about sex that you've received? Even if it's super simple that people have always frequently are curious about. Yeah, I guess because I, guess I don't really get those common anymore of like specific things. I mean, more or less, it's some version of like, why won't this person love me or why doesn't this work? Like mm-hmm. we've tried X, Y, and Z. We've done this configuration. This person won't commit or I can't orgasm this relationship. So it's people who've like done some form of troubleshooting on their own. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're getting to a place where they're stuck because it's like beyond what they can Google or mm-hmm. something simple. Right. So I think like I get asked this question all the time. I should just come up with some answer. Like what's the most common question? Well, I'm it's like, probably just back to the basics, honestly. It's probably things that people, it's not anything pr- probably really complex other than like I don't feel pleasure with my partner anymore or I don't know how to, feel how to pleasure keep with it myself. interesting and it, yes like even the kissing thing is like people probably want to know kissing tips that just to improve their vocabulary like their what their knowledge is on it and it's really interesting that at the end of the day I think a lot of people just have the same curiosities yes but instead of it being like how do I kiss better it'll be like myself and my partner had our first kid and as a result they stopped kissing me because I now kiss the baby and that feels weird to them so we're trying to like reignite our oh, kissing style I mean, and not that person really, I'm making something yeah. up but like no, but it, it's going to yeah. be a question that's like that versus okay. like how do I kiss better it won't oh, be like okay. how do I have better you know it won't be like how do I learn my partner's love language it's going to be like all these multi-dimensional things, which is we like, should just send the love language test to our partner. <laughs> we'll yes, take it. Tell us what you think. <laughs> it's actually really fun, and I feel like a lot of people actually end up enjoying it once they take it. And they're like, "Oh, the more you know, you know." I feel like it's once you open that door of potentially like them learning about themselves more. Because the scene I've always been those people that we love to tell people to take these tests or just see We're what very they're, vocal about. Like, yeah. this is what we are. These are our zodiac signs. This is what we like. like and we, then, even we don't get that test. back. We just send yeah, even quizzes. That, we did that group test that um, she had on Netflix with the whole, like, what's your sex preference and things like that. If, if it's, like, sensual or if it's kinky or if it's sad. Um, it's just so interesting that people just, they, they do want to know. It's, like, unless you just, it's just opening that door and showing them that it's really not that scary or it's really easy. And or like, you benefit. Or you benefit yeah. and you realize, like, wait, oh, my partner is more physical touch and I'm more words of affirmation. So he knows that you have to tell me that I look great today or like I need that, like, or I love you or anything, or he needs more, like I'll kiss him or I'll hug him. And it's just, it, you realize that it just becomes a lot more simpler and fluid and easy yes. once you actually know that about communicate. yourself. Communicate. <laughs> yeah, communicate. I think that's just what it is. It's like communicating and really asking the questions that are the right ones. That's the big part too. Cause I buck up against that bit of advice of like, a healthy relationship is about communication, mm-hmm. which is similar to being like, good art is mm. about paint. And you're True. like, bitch, what paint? Yeah. What <laughs> canvas? Yeah. How? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it to the point of that, like a lot of people aren't really taught, like, what are the inner workings of my intimate self? Like, mm-hmm. how do I identify why I don't feel good with someone? Because I might be able to identify that. Like, I don't feel comfortable. But the ability to say, oh, it's because... They misgendered mm-hmm. me. Oh, it's because they don't speak my love language. Oh, it's because we have very different conflict resolution styles. Like mm-hmm. that's where you can actually be more action solution based. So right. 
it's interesting to me. I think this space is the one area where we're like, not you don't have to know and you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't apply to anything else. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to be good at any other topic in this world, you have to understand it and know mm-hmm. the various different like facets and dynamics to it, even the ones that don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, again, you're going to be with someone else who, yeah, maybe you don't care about feet, but you end up with a foot fetish partner. I was actually about to ask that question yeah. of, let's just say you're interested in something or vice versa, they're interested in something that you truly can't provide. Or maybe it's something that is, scary to you and you really don't have an open mind to do it because that's just not something you're interested in what do you do when you hit that wall like they're into feet and you're not into feet yeah for example a lot of people who have the particular kink like have been developing that and gaining the confidence for years mm-hmm. and sometimes they spring it on people in the moment and expect that person to meet them where they are mm-hmm. but they've had like years and years or lots of education lots of yeah. videos so i would say first and foremost like you have to be a bit more patient with people right um and provide tools and resources for their own time and their Mm -hmm. own studying they might be surprised to find they can come around or find different entry points maybe like feet is not the right entry point because there's a stigma there maybe instead it's like we do leg massages or like i do hand stuff with you so not being so goal oriented with our partners Mm -hmm. of like this is what i want this is what i need can you do it yeah yeah Yeah. we're not like being graceful of like it took me a long time to get to the place where i can even ask for that and know what that thing is Mm -hmm. that's one but two you can get to certain points with people where it's like I gave it the benefit of the doubt. Right. I watched the video. I tried the thing. And it was I tried the hand thing. massage yeah. the whole time I was weirded out. It's just not my thing. And now we come to a place of like, is this an area we can compromise on? Or is this right. a fundamental incompatibility that means that we restructure our relationship? It, totally. Because that means if me, how how is like how is this going to affect our relationship in the long run in terms of like, because sex might be really important in the relationship. And if that's just not something that's clicking, then that is something you have to consider for long term, is this going to be a problem four years from now, a year, months from now? Yes. Because, you know? like, is that then a reason to move on or is that and find someone that is compatible with that? You know, I think that's a hard question. It's like, whether I don't, I don't necessarily think that not being compatible on one certain sexual preference or kink is a complete deal breaker. As long as both parties are emotionally intelligent enough to, you know, correctly verbalize what they're willing to do or compromise on or, right. you know, I think as, as long as there's understanding from both people, I don't think it's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Well, we've identified it's not for you, but for somebody true. else, that exactly. could be true. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's I always true. say that with like, yeah. you know, like finances and people are so judgmental about women who are financially focused mm-hmm. where it's like, there are probably things that you prioritize heavily in a relationship that matter a lot to you yeah. that wouldn't matter to that person. Right. Yeah. So then it's yeah. like, yeah, there are some people who they have to draw that line and say either one, we're going to open the relationship up so that I can find outlets for this because it's an important part of how I want to experience this world. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. two, we're not going to continue on experiencing the world together. And I'm comfortable with that. Mm. Damn. Well, Mike dropped to that. Shan, we could sit here and talk to yeah, you. Yeah, literally for hours. <laughs> I mean, I have like a hundred more questions, but like we really got to wrap it up. I want everyone, if you want to continue to hear this conversation, you got to check out her podcast, Lovers and Friends. Hey. Yeah. It's fantastic. I literally listened to five episodes yesterday. Yay. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it was awesome. I really like the ones... Um, it was about like dating in your 20s, like why it's the worst time yeah. to date. And I'm, I feel that. I really do. Um, tell everyone where they can find 
your podcast is streaming, all of your social Lots media platforms. Yes. Well, I believe that people are like going to remember one thing. So I'll stick with that one ask because that's the most important thing I'm doing right now is my podcast. Like mm-hmm. it's longer form discussions. It's more in the vein of the way that I want to do sex ed. I think everywhere else you have to make compromises yep, totally. because you're on someone else's platform or because it's 30 seconds for a reel or whatever. Right. So this is a place where I'm like, no, this is exactly the way that I want this conversation to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my podcast, Lovers and Friends, which is available wherever they're listening to this podcast. Yes. yes. Everywhere. 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 Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. Yay, this is so much fun. I found a new friend. Um, thank you guys for joining and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.